Hey folks, welcome to episode 169 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Lindy Lou, a parent of two elementary school-aged kiddos here in uh, western Washington, just north of Seattle. She has become a parent as the coronavirus is beginning to unfold in um, 2019 to 2020. This episode explores the perspective of a parent who feels unrepresented in the school and community at large regarding coronavirus risk mitigation through controlling behavior by requiring masks, vaccinations, and social distancing. Uh, specifically with the with the kiddos, because the only they have like online school, um, or uh, you could just pull them out of school and do homeschooling as the only alternative. Uh, but those actually have a lot of financial barriers and. Or a lot of people, that's not an option. So it's like being forced without actually being forced. It's kind of the closest thing you can get to, I suppose. Um, we the people possess personal responsibility for our lives and the upbringing of our children's lives. We are represented by civil servants who act on our behalf. The current state of our nation doesn't feel by the people for the people. Only the latter. We outsource the authority of many of our critical decisions in our everyday life, so we can specialize in exactly what we do professionally. I think this collaboration amongst citizens is a beautiful representation of progress, but it is not all positive. We have nuclear physicists, engineers, or and engineers who can create an infrastructure of a highly skilled nature. We have marine biologists, you have, you have fisher, fishermen and women out there who you know, are collecting fish. Um, we have programmers, doctors, entertainers, and many diverse masters of their crafts. crafts. Without them, we wouldn't be able to be in the world that we live in. I think of this when I go backpacking a lot, you know, and most of my duties are like collecting food, getting water, and taking care of my area. And the more, to a point, the more people that I have, the efficiency goes up because I can, you know, make some people work in the, um, handle food, another person handle water, someone handle taking care of all the gear, and it often frees us up for activities that were never available in the first place, and arguably improving the quality of our life. But there's a point, there's a diminishing point of return. When you've outsourced everything that you have other than your working skills, what are you left with? Think of childcare and raising children, or dealing with an injury or illness and seeing your doctor. How many people use their critical thinking skills to research their symptoms and get a second opinion? There have been many times where I've heard doctors completely miss important clues that indicated a specific illness or even had irrelevant information like nutrition advice to give to their patient. And, you know, getting a second opinion or doing some research or maybe even going talking to a nutritionist. It gives somebody more information so that they can make a more well-informed decision. Even doctors know this is this is indicated by a process they have prior to surgery. If you were having surgery on your right shoulder, for instance, uh, surgeons and staff will ask you what shoulder you're having surgery on many times before the surgery. I thought I was going nuts when it was happening to me. I thought they were just checking if I was crazy. 
But I learned this. There have been issues with surgeons operating on the wrong side, going for the left shoulder when it was the right. And, you know, we're human and we're all fallible. We got a government with checks and balances, for instance. I think those things are very important. But you have the ability to use your skills and process to determine what to attribute authority to. Checks and balances, this process that the surgeon has, you could say it's, you could use the words, describe that it's two people with conflicting values. I want to live. They want to do their job. And those intersection of those values um, enables a system of checks and balances. But if we were to just use those words and I were to go into that system fully trusting them and not using my best judgment to answer these questions, not using my abilities to do my part, it's no longer a system of checks and balances. I know, understand, I understand in the government legally, yes, but with us specifically, which brings me to my next point. I believe that in our current state of nation of our nation, um, it's being lost. Critical thinking skills, for instance, I was taught those when um, when I was in college and some while I was in high school in philosophy class, and I've learned a lot more after that. It has been immensely helpful in all things that I do. From when you know my um, manager asked me to uh, doctor up some paperwork. And I'm able to use my critical thinking skills to understand that that's unethical. And I approach them because it's my responsibility as a person. To be able to figure out when someone tells me that, um, I don't know, the way to set up a belay stance while rock climbing is safe. I can use critical thinking to be able to test and understand if what I'm committing to is actually something I personally determined is safe. Which, of course, I use the authority of my friend, but not that alone. I don't believe that as citizens, um, it's this is being done to us uh, on purpose. I believe it's mutual. And this conversation with Lindy more how I respond to the things in the conversation with Lindy and the things that she's learning as a parent herself, I find that I underrepresent myself within the government. I don't do all the things to represent myself as a parent and what my opinion is and my values and the things that I've learned from my perspective. And I don't do that with my, you know, my local government and how business is regulated um, or what parks go up, for instance, or what kind of programs are, you know, available and it's because I feel like I don't have time and that's the thing that I hear with the medical industry with child care there's these you don't you can't do more than what you're doing and most of what you're doing is is providing for your family I believe that most representatives and most citizens aren't participating in governing ourselves as a young adult Looking at my parents and seniors, my immediate world didn't participate at all in our government. They didn't even believe that their contribution mattered. They didn't act as if it was their duty to involve themselves in the happenings of the government. From my perspective, it's more than their relationship to the government. 
It's in the relationship with healthcare workers and teachers. They have lost their own internal position of authority, and they've deferred it to other people with knowledge. I believe this is an example of a diffusion of responsibility. I believe the tides can be changed in your local government. Participate before it's too late. Represent your ideas for our nation in your town, county, state, or within the federal government. Take your perspective, your beliefs, the challenges, and potential solutions. Go and participate in your country, this beautiful land that's an amalgamation of worldviews, races, and creeds. Look to your housing crisis, your homeless, the addiction rates, um, people's interest in drugs. Look at the obesity problems, heart attacks, people being locked inside. And not feeling they have a freedom to be able to choose what risk they mitigate for. Look at all that as problems for you to solve. Because it starts with you. Who are you going to ask for to solve this solution? Who are you going to clamor to? It starts with all of us. And that's the most powerful thing we have ever been given. Is that ability to make shift and change. But the consequence of that is if you don't act on it, there's real tangible consequence for every single one of you. You'll be rolled over in the coals, taken for people's self-interest. Hell, if you left me to be responsible for all these things, I'm sure my self-interest will leak in there. It does. But it is with the help of the intersection of my community members that... I can see the wrongs of my ways and I continue to pursue my highest ideals. I can continue to pursue the things that I'm excited about that don't cause pain and suffering on other people. And it is through our interaction that I find that direction. Without any further ado, here's Lindy. Historically, has there been um, like uh, people who have attended and been involved in the school board from a community standpoint? Um, you know, I haven't really had that much um, interest in the school board, I guess, up uh-huh. until recently because my, my son is just now in um, supposed to be in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I haven't actually been to school board meetings until just this last summer when I realized, boy, I don't like the the way that things are shaping up for the school year this year. And, you know, like, as I even find myself never going, well, that was, but never <laughs> going to a school board meeting. And yeah. my son was attending, you know, um, school all the way until uh, third grade. And my thing was is that I thought that that was something that was important, not because I was necessarily taught that. Uh, I just felt like I'm the kind of person where if I can go on field trips, um, I want to go on field trips. And just to participate with that and mm-hmm. be like someone who's known in his life and their friends' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that that was like a personality trait. I didn't see uh, my peers or anything like that, like everyone doing that. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like some people were really involved, but most people were really busy. Yes. And those are only in times when I didn't. I'm a single parent, though, so it's an exception. That I, I was only able to have that involvement when I was working jobs that were like part-time, almost right. full-time. 
And a lot of the thing was, is I'd just be too busy to be able to, to do those things at one point. Like going to a field trip was like, um, I was really fortunate to be able to do that. Like I was very, uh, like not privileged in some way, right? Because um, I could live so cheaply to afford that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's a big part of it is I think it is fairly rare for people to participate in school board meetings. Um, and a big part of that is that everybody's really busy. Um, and I'm really busy too. I'm lucky though that I'm, um, I'm not working per se. I'm yeah. a, a full-time mom, which is the 24 hour <laughs> oh, <laughs> day <absolutely>. job <laughs> um, at the moment. Um, but, but so it, I do have a lot more flexibility in terms of being able to show up on the sidewalk and hold signs and, and to go to the meetings. And that's, that's a challenge for everybody is everybody's mm -hmm. busy and, you know, the, it's uncomfortable to go do something like that, um, to go talk in front of um, the, an audience that you don't know. And the, a group that you don't know anyone. Exactly. And, you, and they might, they're like the other in some way. Right? And especially now, like when you walk in there, it's just so inhuman because everyone is wearing masks. You can't even see any expressions or oh, faces. Yeah. It's just, it's really bizarre. Oh, that's a trip. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm done with um, complying with mm -hmm these mandates personally i i i comply minimally uh -huh. um only when it, it means that my kids can do something that i think is really good for them have, have you have, have you always like has that been a consideration that's or a tension that's been building since all of this stuff started or like when did that switch get flipped for you um, yeah, so I, I kind of saw the light, I think, from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, but I went along with it. Um, I was pregnant during, when, it, oh, when wow. it all started. I didn't think of that. So, yeah. so yeah, it was, I mean, especially at the beginning, because we didn't really know much about uh -huh. COVID. And well, pregnant, like, when you're pregnant, right, it, it'd just be fair to say that you're already worried that, like, I hope everything goes, goes right, mm -hmm. right? You already feel really vulnerable for the safety of your child because there's a little bit of a question mark there. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and then now you have this uncertainty of like maybe a virus. What would it do? Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. and it was it was brand new. Nobody knew. Um, I they were saying that pregnant women were at higher risk than mm -hmm. the general population. Um, and and yeah, I I felt uncomfortable for a while. I I handed off all the grocery responsibilities to my husband for a while, and I absolutely hated that because uh, yeah. <laughs> that meant I was just stuck in the house all the time. Oh, um, yeah. I remember reading some statistic like one in two hundred people in the area um, had the virus, and I was like, wow, I, this is really scary. I don't mm -hmm. I don't want to be a part. Yeah, I, I felt like I needed to kind of hide out. And, yeah, you felt um, like the risk, the stakes were high. Yeah, um, but then as, 40 <laughs> as more, you know, we got more data and we're starting to understand more about how the virus worked and what fatality rates were and, and all of that. It, yeah, I, I, I've, I'm not fearful yeah. anymore. Um, and we yeah, the switch kind of happened for me, I think... Uh, in the s spring summer time, mm -hmm. um, there was a time where where the I think it was vaccinated people didn't have to wear a mask and unvaccinated did or or it was a it was a yeah so spring summer of twenty twenty one yeah 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 it's been mm -hmm. this the last few months 
I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Oh wow. So so you were uh, you're kind of what is it? It took like halfway through this the the pandemic, I suppose, uh, is when you is when you had that change. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. For for me, I was. That's um, why I've always been wary about my perspective, and to not to learn about what other people think, because. I'm been I'm a person who's kind of had like I don't take the flu um, flu shot mm-hmm. because um, like I was born into this world with a family that have health problems and they go to doctors and like um, they take care of themselves reasonably well to the baseline standard of what a doctor might tell you mm-hmm. and it didn't seem sufficient or like that was just what happens. You know, like you get frozen shoulder, you get arthritis, and, mm-hmm. and like your foot, your arches start to fall flat, and like that's just going to happen to me. I was a very, I like, I'm like uh, an explorer kind of personality type, and I do a lot of research when I was a kid, and um, I was very curious about like how can I prevent, is there a way to even prevent this stuff? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd learn about like orthotics for a flat foot, which is really good when you need to go to work. And you're trying to prevent like injury, right? Mm-hmm. But orthotics are only are there to like buy you some time. Yeah. And exercise <laughs> can strengthen your foot, and yes. your foot can like become stronger if you're getting what is it like the hammer toe or where the toe starts going inward. Mm-hmm. You can do exercises, and it takes a lot of time and a lot of commitment, mm-hmm. and you can see changes in your body. Mm-hmm. And I learned I had a fixed mindset when I was a child because I was like I tried to ollie on a skateboard, and I'm like. Oh, this is magic. I can't do this. So I just give up. And I realized that, like, you can do, like, in, in near impossible feats of exercise by merely showing up consistently. Mm-hmm. And with the, so when I see, like, people in my family who are given medical advice that is fixing their symptoms, but also keeping them from, like, dying, too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, like, saving them when they really, really need it, mm-hmm. but not fixing their chronic issues and getting to the heart of the problem i've been somewhat skeptical and it lost my trust in the the medical industry not entirely but it's just not i don't see it as an authoritarian perspective yeah yeah it's a place to start with (laughs) exactly and that i've kind of had a similar a similar realization myself um i had the orthotics i had the Mm -hmm. band-aids and you know 20 years later, now I'm having to address the real issues. Mm. I think our healthcare system addresses symptoms, not problems. Mm-hmm. And the problems never go away if you only address the symptoms. So you have to go about it in a way that um, that you're actually trying to identify what the problem is and working on trying to fix that problem. Mm-hmm. But that's where I'm at with a way that we handle a lot of things in this representation like communities. Is like imagine I have an I identify a problem in my community in my default way. And I'm not saying this is top down, this comes from within my like heart and soul, like my actions do, my behavior. When I see a problem in my community, I'm more likely to be like, fix this. This is the problem to fix and not like using that problem solving brain that like, how do I fix this? How do I like do actions that create actual change not like trigger other people to create change Mm -hmm. and like not checking the boxes and i don't mean anything like extreme or harsh but like one is is the housing one's pretty easy like to to like if you say that you have a housing crisis and housing is not affordable you can vote 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 but someone has to have an idea 
to like make housing more affordable. Right. And that's a person out there. And like, we hope. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. And it's either that we all just don't have an idea, so we agree we don't, and we're just shouting until someone does. Yeah. Um, or we can, there's ways to create more like encouraging people to be involved in the problem solving process. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know? like with the medical situation, like, that's what I find is, is, um, when I do, so I teach yoga Mm -hmm. and with yoga, um, there you'll do a forward fold where, you know, you're seated on the ground, legs straight, and you'll, um, bend forward and try to get your stomach to your thighs, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's like, there's two um, cues that I can give you. One is straight spine Mm -hmm. and, and don't slouch. Mm -hmm. The other is slouch. Don't straighten your spine. This, I can't tell everyone to never slouch. And I can't tell everyone to never straighten their spine. Because for some people, one thing is true and then the other thing yes. is true. Yes. And what you find with yoga is I can't say, here's the rules. Here's the, the pill. Here's the diet pill that gives you all your answers. It's like, do yoga. Try to slouch. Try to straighten. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, See what works. Exactly. Yes. Tell me how you feel. Yes. And, and all those things. And you're initiating that human being to use their humanness, you know, to figure it out, mm-hmm. right? And that's like facilitating an experience rather than, you know, feeding them yes. the scenario. Yep. But uh, that's how I'm worried about with the school board is like, I'm try- I, there's two times I haven't gone. And it's like, this is really important to me and not like magically important. It's been important to me for like ever since this stuff happened. Because yes. my beginning thing was is when you see the data on children and it's like the like children like, it's not a risk for children. It's and, not. Yeah. It's really frustrating. And there's like social and engaging with people and having contact and seeing like, you know, being close with people, seeing their reactions and things like that. I'm not prioritizing that to the highest level of things, but it could be like where does it fall? There's a value yeah. judgment on those qualities that you're missing out on. Yes, and we have to always take those into consideration. Yeah, you know? and it's different for everyone. It's different for my family. It's different for your family, and everyone has to to weigh all of the the benefits and risks of you know. Do I send my kid to school? Do I do I want him to wear a mask? Am I going to keep him home? Am I you know, how, how do you meet the need the best that you can for your kid and for your situation? And it's really frustrating this, that we have to, to, to consider those things right now. Mm-hmm. Because you even look at like parenting, there's that whole cliche where it's like, they don't come with a manual. <laughs> and, and it's like, I think that's kind of the point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, and I don't think there's a manual for any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right yeah, now. yeah, exactly. Is we're all kind of trying to find um, somewhere to start and what can we do. And there is no manual. Mm-hmm. Um, there, <laughs> yeah, um, that, that was what I worked on all summer after in May, I think it was, I saw the um, OSPI published um, the uh, COVID requirements for schools in the fall mm-hmm. and said masks were going to be required. And oh man, yeah. <laughs> this is not this is not looking good. Mm-hmm. And that's when I turned on the I got to do something mode. Mm-hmm. Um, the that that's my personality is 
to try to find something that I can do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's actually going to make a difference, I don't know. But I, I, I feel like I need to try, and I've been trying pretty hard. Um, but yeah, we're not we're not all perfect. We yeah. don't know what we're doing, and um, we don't know what's going to help and what's not. But I mean, the first start of anything is to admit that you're foolish, right? Because mm-hmm. you just start it and you don't know what to do. And like mm-hmm. to start anything, it's you know you have to confront that part of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with so with like children and, and masking things like that, where did that? Um, what about that predicament grabs your attention so much and makes you feel concerned? For it's it's about my son. My mm-hmm. son is really shy. Um, he, at home, he he has so much energy. I can't get him to stop talking. Um, he's so smart. Um, but when he's in an uncomfortable new situation, uh, he's very, very shy. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm there, he's going to be like grabbed onto my legs and hiding behind me. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, in a school situation like that, he's going to be pretty withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And he, so he's already got his own boundaries personally um, that he struggles with. And I felt like, Putting him in school with a mask on all day long is just going to add another layer of boundaries that he that's not going to help him at mm-hmm. all with his social emotional interactions. And that's one the most important thing I think for my son is just being in a social um, situation and learning how to feel comfortable and learning how to interact with mm-hmm. his peers and his teachers and principals. And I, I just felt like the risks of putting him in a mask all day long, um, just psychologically, just mm-hmm. for social emotional uh, reasons, was enough that I, I just couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And then there's all the uh, physiological issues with wearing a mask um, that long. Were there um, some things that, in particular, that you um, had read or anything? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of published research about um, long-term masking um, of adults and of children. Um, and there are a lot of harms associated with it. Um, it, it affects your breathing. It can cause skin issues. Um, there's tons of issues with it. Um, so it, for me, the... I, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. That, and that's um, a thing that I think about as well is when I was a kid, I'd wear a hat a lot. Like I got into a habit of wearing a hat mm-hmm. because I liked the way that it was like styled. But there's a thing that happens when you like, I believe this happens with most things that you do consistently that initially it's hard to start a habit. And once a habit sets in, it's uncomfortable to let go of a habit. Mm-hmm. And with, with the hat, I'd pick hats because I liked the art. And over time, though, I'd like plateau and just, I wore a hat. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe I have a crazy personality too, though. But <laughs> I have my son, and when my son was born, like I started this when I was 12, but when my son was born when I was 17, I'd take my hat off and he'd cry. Because I'd, I'd wear oh. my hat all day long. Oh. And so he didn't recognize me without mm-hmm. my hat. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'd wear my hat to bed sometimes. And I'd wear my hat to work as a dishwasher. I'd wear my hat, like, everywhere. And I'd take school pictures with my hat on. <laughs> and, like, it, um, I grew my hair out, and I'd wear my hair over one of my eyes or whatever, like, emo kid. But, like, I liked it because no one can see me, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, I was a really shy person mm-hmm. and, and really awkward. And I just see a lot of, like, the potential to even just to develop an attachment. To, like, this is how I want to do things. And it's like, yes. 
I don't know about that. Like, I don't know because it's not like something you identify with and you're like, I want to try that. It's like, this is your normal because if you go to school, you theoretically spend more time at school Mm -hmm. on a weekday than you do at home, at least awake time. And so most of their standard way of interacting is set at school. Mm -hmm. And so when you come home, that's like, you know, a second, that can be a secondary environment. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to, I don't want to teach him that that's what we do because that's not what we do. (laughs) Yeah. And And I don't want him to hide behind something. He's already got all these things that he hides behind himself mm -hmm. built in as a person and he doesn't need any more. Yeah. And that's what I, what I found too, is now I'm in this game where it's like, oh, I don't wear any hats. And then it's like, well, I like hats. So now I'm trying to learn how to wear hats sometimes <laughs> so I don't have to wear them all the time. And, uh, and less things to hide behind. Mm-hmm. And there's like, for me, I'm afraid to, to go into groups of people sometimes, or I have been in the past, because I'm afraid of what they think of me, right? Mm-hmm. There's, and there is a genuine risk in going out and expressing your viewpoints in front of people with not even COVID things. It could just be like us talking right now, right? Um, It, there's consequences to that. And there's a social risk. Mm -hmm. Like if you networked with people in Cedro Woolley or whatever, like now they know more of my character. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm willing to, this is where I built confidence in socializing. I'm willing to, to accept that risk. I'm willing to accept the risk of like, you're not liking me or something like that. Cause I know I'm at least not going to make you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that, is a risk I don't take because I don't want people to feel uncomfortable around me, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same as to be said for going out in mass gatherings of people and knowing that, like, for me, I know that there's a risk that I can get, like, uh, I can get pickpocketed. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go out in mass gatherings and there's, like, there's a variety of risks that were associated with it. And when you introduce, like, coronavirus, it's another risk factor that comes into play. Mm-hmm. But if I get pickpocketed, I practice martial arts. I practice diligence. You know, I look at like, you can scan rooms and things like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not too paranoid about it, but I prepare myself Mm because like, I see there's a risk and it's like, Hey, there are some ways that I can control it. And those are reasonable ways. I like martial arts. Sure. You know, Mm -hmm. um, but would it be like stay inside all the time and, and, and don't go out for me personally? That's, um, it's not always not a risk I'm willing or, a risk that I'm willing to take, but most of the time I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah, yeah. And that's the weird thing is about this whole COVID crisis is it just seems like it's backwards. Mm-hmm. Like everybody is forced to do these things when really we, we all have the right to decide what we do mm-hmm. to protect ourselves. And for some reason that those rights are just poof gone do you have you seen um any like representation in with other parents or other people in the community and how they felt about this over time and like in terms of even rights and their their right to choose the boundaries for their children and themselves yeah yeah um there's there's a lot of people in this community that that feel the same um i so back in the summertime, um, in, in August, um, I just decided, well, we need to put on a big show for the school board and let them know what the community wants. Um, and so I organized um, a protest at the school board meeting in August, and there were like, there were over 80 people that showed oh, wow. up. 
to that first protest. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Cedar Woolley, I, I grew up here. I went to high school here. Uh, I've never seen a protest in Cedar Woolley. Um, th- it just does not happen. So for mm-hmm. there to be 80 people at a protest in Cedar Woolley, um, all fighting for the right to decide whether they send their kids to school in a mask or not, that's mm-hmm. a that's a really significant yeah. thing. Um, and we'd also been out um, holding signs up um, in the weeks prior to that. I've, I've held up signs for many hours really? <laughs> since uh, August um, on streets in Cedar Woolley. And I'd say we get probably 80 to 90% positive feedback from oh, wow. people driving by. So I know that the, the majority in the community um, wants the right to decide for mm-hmm. their kids. And do you do you find that um, holding signs and protesting? Um, what is your like? What inspires you to do that as the as the way to like create change? And um, and how have you seen that take effect? Like, um, well, it's it it was the first thing that I tried to do um, at that first uh, school board meeting um, coming up before the school year started, um, and I. I didn't expect there to be any change. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hopeful. You know, I know the school board uh, has the legal authority to uh, make their own local policy decisions, mm-hmm. but I wasn't very hopeful. Um, I there were there's thousands of people across the state that are all fighting the same fight mm-hmm. and um, standing in protests at school board meetings and speaking at school board meetings. And there were only a few school districts in the state. That where the board members were actually fighting with the community oh, members, so, and ours is not one of them. So how does so how does that work? Um, what is like? How do they? How do people take um, your like pu- the public's input, whether it be protesting or if it be speaking in front of the school board? Is it just you're just trying to persuade them? Like, and how um, does that? How are school board members appointed? Do you know? School board members are elected. Oh, okay. um, so there's five of them, I think, in, in every school district in the state. Um, and there's different districts within, like, Skagit County. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these elected school board members are, um, you know, they, they get their power from the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're supposed to represent uh, what the community wants. Um, but um, as far as input from the community, I have largely been ignored. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I've heard from all the other parents that I know have reached out to the, um, school board. Um, and the point of the protests is just to try to communicate how important this is Mm -hmm. to us and, um, to, to try to bring the community together. So we find each other and we, we know each other and, um, when whatever comes up in the future that we can um, try to work on, then we have a group that is nice. ready and, and, and rearing to go on that. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, someone, because I get that now. Is you're, when you're protesting or you're gathering, you build that momentum. And even if someone doesn't like stop and join that protest, they identify with that and they might, you know, 
talk more free. It just might build the momentum in their yes. head and they feel like they're not alone in it. Exactly. And that might alter the way that they make choices yes. from there. Yes. When we yeah. see other people that are doing something that, you know, maybe we're a little bit reserved to do ourselves, mm-hmm. but we see somebody else doing it, it helps us feel more comfortable yeah. to take that leap. And there's obvious, like, studies on that, which is interesting, where there's um, a psychologist, they have cool videos of this on YouTube, but they do this study with, like, a, a homeless guy and he's... Um, he's injured or something and they would see if anyone would stop and check on him and you know he'd be crying out and stuff and they showed that like people most of the time people wouldn't stop and check on him if no one had but if they like set up like a pretend person to like check on him then other people would come in and check on him and yeah and you look at like what happens with uh with uh i forget what that's called Mob, mob, like mob dynamics and things, mm-hmm. and how like mob mentality will, will change a lot of things, and people are able to do things that they're not necessarily capable. Obviously, in terrible ways, but in great ways as well. Um, when there's a group of people around, mm-hmm. and it probably diffusion of responsibility, I bet you, is one of the things that makes it really easy to do that because it's like, oh, it's a group. I can, I can do that. It's not just me. Yes. So that I wouldn't wouldn't demonize diffusion of responsibility like I'd want to. I yes, yes, yeah. Going out and standing on the street with a sign by yourself is not yeah, as ideal yeah. as being in a group. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot more uncomfortable. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's even singing in a choir. Like if I'm in a group of people, I feel yes. great. And the reason is, is like, and that's the funny thing is, I always told myself. If I sing terrible, they won't hear me. Yeah, like, they won't be able to pick me out of the crowd. Yeah. And I think that's what I was talking about with the diffusion of responsibility. Yes. That's it's funny. And I, yeah, I'd love to do choir, though. But, oh, I know. Yeah. Me, too. I'm yeah. afraid, though. Yeah, exactly. Me, too. <laughs> I don't want anybody to know it was me. No. I had a deep voice. I'd have to hide it. <laughs> uh, and um, with the school board uh, members, is it like, I don't know if it's, might be different places but here is it a yearly vote or no i think it's th- every three or four years i think it's four years actually so um there were three positions up for election this season mm-hmm. and we did get um one more conservative leaning um uh, person elected to the school board so that's exciting mm-hmm. what's really um frustrating is that two of those positions were um, incumbents so they're they're already school board members but they were running unopposed and oh, they're what? yeah it's so frustrating i re- i knew about one of them mm-hmm. um, but i didn't realize about the second one Crazy. until i actually saw the ballot on the um, general election it was weird it they the three positions were not present on my ballot on the primary. There was only two of them. So, That's weird. But yeah, so, um, so people aren't running for school board. Do you get this? Do you get paid to run on school no. board? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, don't. no, it's not. Uh, you don't get paid. They meet like every two weeks for. I think the meetings are. I mean, they schedule for one hour or two hours, mm-hmm. but I think typically oh, they're they're wrapped up every in, in an hour or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not like you know. No, <laughs> it's not yeah. really. Um, do they? I wonder if uh, you might not know this, but then does there like, like planning and like st- strategy things outside of those meetings as a school board member? Like what? That is. I a, would like to talk to a school board member. Yeah, that is a very good question, um, and I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I think so. I think so. They come to the school board meetings, and I. 
believe they've already done their research on whatever the issues are that they're considering. And then they primarily, uh, they, they might have some discussion about those um, issues, uh, but, and then they vote on them as well in the meeting. So I, I know there's some work outside of the, the school board meetings themselves. I don't know how much yeah. time um, commitment that is. Um, but my my district isn't up for re-election, I think, until 2023. So. <laughs> oh, wow. That's wild. Yeah. And that's uh, where I want to go in my head with it is what would be considered not a representative government. It'd be more populism if I... Because I'm about to say, like, that really sucks that you elect this person to represent your ideas and you don't know if they're just going to run away with any kind of you know pressure or ideas that they have or anything like that like there's no accountability for representation right and and i'm also not saying like i'm there's probably a lot of faults with like what everyone just says and like every day what you decide for the school or whatever like um i'm not saying throw representation out but it does seem really problematic to like have this representative that has no accountability for representation at all. Well, and what's really frustrating is change. that most of the time there's no opposition for school board candidates. Um, but we're seeing that changing in the state yeah. uh, as a result of these COVID mandates. I know there's there was a lot of um, of candidates running against each other in different mm-hmm. um, counties. Well, that would be exciting in that um, I would hope that it would encourage people to, like, you know, just see themselves as people who could be responsible for Mm -hmm. whatever school board members are responsible for. Like, I don't, because I still don't understand, I I don't understand what that's like. Are they the deciders of, of, like, everything in a local district? Um, Yeah, they, they are responsible for making a lot of decisions for the district, yep. And when you, so you've been, you've been voting for, um, I guess you've been voting for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, What's it like when it comes to, like, what does it look like when you go vote? Like, how do you know about candidates and things like that? All I know to do is research on Google. (laughs) That's really tiring. And they've given me a pamphlet, I think, once or twice, but I don't know if it's been a local pamphlet here in Cedar Woolley. I barely know any of that. (laughs) They, uh, all the, um, voting in this county, and it might be across the state as well, is done vote by mail. So Mm -hmm. you get a ballot mailed to you and then you, uh, research your candidates and yeah, everybody gets mailed a packet of, uh, a voter, um, an election packet for the primary election and for the general election. And it has all the candidates and then they all submit statements. Um, and so that's, that's kind of all you have to go off of um, other than, yeah, you can do Google searches and see uh, who's endorsed which candidates for certain positions. But a lot of the local positions around here, there's not a lot of endorsement no. going on. It doesn't seem like there was a lot of activity. Sometimes with even names, I would just get like, you know, dead ends for, for some people, for mm-hmm. instance. And then I was wondering, like, I don't even know how to judge these people's ability to do whatever it is that they do because I don't even know what they do. Right. And then, like, how they do it, I, I just... And then it's not a partisan um, position on a school board. So, I mean, you don't even have the R versus D versus mm-hmm. L or whatever to, to, to pick between. I mean, and that's assuming that you have anyone to choose between in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, I, 
it is kind of frustrating to knowing who is going to represent you better mm -hmm. um, among the candidates you have to choose from. And I would say if they had something that was audio version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody learns different. The accessibility of that, you could listen to it at work. Yes. <laughs> um, the, yeah, with the, the pamphlets, I was initially not taking the time to look into the pamphlets when I would vote. And then I'd vote for key people and then guest vote through things. Mm. And then I started taking it upon myself to like, to do Google research and then read the pamphlets. And I still feel like I'm just doing like that kind of guest voting, mm -hmm. you know, with some idea of what someone's character may or may not be like. And it can be difficult because it's, I can't even judge a person's character by like if they do bad things or not, mm -hmm. because people have like, I don't know, like there's great people who have done certain terrible things. And that doesn't mean that I would, tolerate them doing those terrible things if they're things that they must be stopped for they should be stopped and taken care of and people need to be protected but like i don't also judge their ability to like you know be a, a school board member if by how they handle their finances right, right. yeah it's, and the interesting thing um is that like in the race where there were two individuals running for one of the school board positions um this general election there was no um community interaction with any of those uh, th those candidates. So they didn't hold like forums or anything. They didn't I didn't know of any uh, debates or anything like that. Yeah, that was on. that would be interesting. At mm -hmm. least like some kind of event or experience that you can have where you see real things happening, not like a marketing, you know, pitch of, yeah. of somebody. Yeah. Right? That's that's all that I saw in this election and, and that's usually what I've seen um all in all my years of voting is you see the names on signs when you drive down the roads and then you get the voter pam pamphlet and that's mm -hmm. pretty much all you have to go on. Um if I were running for school board, which I may, which is fairly mm -hmm. likely in a couple years, um, if I don't have to run away from the state, <laughs> um uh, that's what I envision is I would want to be the candidate that's actually trying to represent what the community wants mm -hmm. and holding some sort of a gathering to to be able to hear what the community actually wants. And mm -hmm. I don't see that happening with our current school board. Yeah, it seems to be very top down, right? Yes. And I, you know, I feel like uh, quite a few things are that way, even within like school can be that way in and of itself as a parent. Is like I thought about it, and I'm like, well, I'm outsourcing my parenting to a certain degree, which I'm fine with that. And like I always do with knowledge, right? Where it's like I don't know how to do all this kind of math, but I can like point you to the place to do the math, and I could like keep pointing you and guiding you and all of those things. And even I can take you to someone who knows how to teach you math or teach you martial arts, you know. Mm -hmm. And I could like help you connect you to the resources that you need. Um, but when it comes down to, like, with the schooling things, it's just it felt, it feels like a very top-down authority. Mm -hmm. And it's not because the school's doing that necessarily. It's this the way that I've... Well, yeah. but the way that I've come into this world, it seems like it's like the orthotics and your health. It seems all this stuff is so top-down to where it's like, this is what I'm told to do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and, like, I go and take him to school and, like, this is what, what he's told to do. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm told and when I'm working in the school. This is what I'm told to do with the kids. Mm -hmm. And there isn't, like, this ability to, like, to partake in that. 
Like, yeah. This yeah. is what I think should happen, and let's see what the consequences of trying this, you know, routine out or trying out this learning experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It, it's not, I think there's an opportunity to be a part of the decision making and all these things, mm -hmm. but you have to go out of your way to do that. You know, when it comes to like the healthcare stuff mm -hmm. and the orthotics, you have to realize like, oh, my PT or my doctor is recommending orthotics. You have to realize, well, maybe that's not the best way to go for me. Mm -hmm. You have to realize as an individual that you can think for yourself and that what a doctor tells you is not necessarily the best thing yeah. for you. And you have to have confidence in yourself to, to be able to make that decision um, even when it goes against what the doctor is telling you. And same with in a school like theoretically you should be able to go to the school board and say you know something about your position and, and how you uh, work with kids and say mm -hmm. I think we need to do this differently and you know hopefully someone would hear that and run with it or you know at least discuss it mm -hmm. and then as parents going to the school board and telling them this is important to me this needs to change you would hope that they would listen to you and take that into account and discuss it and mm -hmm. possibly make changes and that's for for me i would say that there's part of it i see a lack of personal responsibility mm -hmm. and even in terms of like the medical situation because i know people who are like i just want the medication and like actually saying that because I just the pain I want the pain to go away. Like yeah. I don't I don't have time to do any of that. Yeah, that's and easy. I can take a pill. Exactly, mm -hmm. and it's like and then the same thing with the kids. Like I'm you know I'm homeschooling my son this year, and like it's not that like straightforward, and yeah. and it's like that's really overwhelming, and it reminds me of being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. and like. Um, it's a lot easier when someone's just like tells you this is the way yeah, and I it, just say just go do it and the cool thing is is like as long as you're consistent right and you're not like abusing anyone um, you're gonna make it out on the other end like, oh yeah and that's the cool thing about it but that goes to yourself as well like you're gonna do CrossFit like um, I have a friend and they're like I'm not gonna do certain Olympic lifts unless I have a coach there to teach me and do all these other things and I'm like you know, you can like probably like go and learn and read about it and scale it and take videos of yourself and do all that. And he's like, oh, no. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's, and that's a personal thing. It's, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Making, taking responsibility is hard. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard for myself and it's, I even see it with my son, it's really hard for him. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's supposed to, like, I don't think it's like by nature of, of life, it's easy. No. And yeah. like, and just like doing all of these things with like the tweaking the education and putting your input and finding out how to like, um, be a part of the decision-making in your community and your schooling. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that that would be easy by default either because no. like I even thought about this with my son. I'm like, how do I educate a child and how do I acquire resources? Like even it's just bare minimum resources. And I'm like, this system sucks. Like, mm -hmm. This was a flash of a thought. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm stuck in this perspective. And it's so hard to just like try to eat and teach him to the best of my abilities without sacrificing his education, mm -hmm. like for get, getting a job. And to be very specific about that, I mean, working a nine to five and having him go to public school and then having him someone watch him after public school so I can work that job and putting him to bed. And I'll be able to give him a lot. And I won't be barely making ends meet, but like at what cost? And I, at first I'm like system. 
And then I look at animals and all these other things, and it's like, dang, it's really hard to survive when you got a kid. You're so much more vulnerable. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> the I'm kind of doing um, homeschooling with my son. He's in kindergarten, so I think kindergarten is a lot easier yeah. to do than, than older kids. Um, but I have him going to preschool three mm-hmm. days a week, so he gets that classroom environment, oh, that socialization great. thing for three days a week, um, and that's great. And the, all those kids are just like six months or maybe up to a year younger than him so Mm -hmm. it's a reasonable um, group of kids and age um, group Um, and then I homeschool the other two days of the week and and I really I really enjoy um, enjoy it so far and it's really fun to get to actually see him learning yeah instead of handing it over to somebody else and then you get the report from them oh he's doing great like, well, okay, yeah. but when you actually get to see him learning and you're you know exactly what he's doing, it's really exciting, it's really cool. Have you ever done any like kind of car work or any kind of like work that you normally would, would pay someone else to do? Have you ever done it yourself? Um, I forced my husband to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll get certain things where I'll have to do repairs and the gratification that I get out of doing it myself and to oh, know what yeah. it takes to actually get there and to know why it works. Like I can't do that with everything in mm-hmm. my whole life, but there's certain things that are really important that I do them with. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to drive a car. A car's a big part of my life, you know. Um, brakes are really easy to change. Like, I'm going to have a kid for, like, a certain amount of time in my life. And you're right. Like, for me, even, when you get past one, that starts happening. Mm-hmm. Because he goes to daycare. And I was paying, like, $750 a month for him for daycare. Yeah. And they're doing a big job. Mm-hmm. That job's expensive for them or for me. That's what's going on here. I'm going to go work somewhere and, like, specialize in, in being in the workforce while he's being, like, watched. Mm-hmm. And, like... I think about that a lot because I ask myself, what am I? Mm-hmm. And it's not that I have to be with my son at all times at all, but like, I don't know most of my child. Right. And he's, we're supposed to like, this is supposed to be the closest circle that he has, you know, and like eventually just maybe a best friend. Right. But like, the, like there's a, I get what it's like when I worked in the institutions and you try to get close with the kids, but it's kind of like working in a foster care and mm-hmm. that people come in and out and you're in this like big institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I know for me, I felt really lonely because I didn't have anyone to be close with other than like people in schools and things like that. And I thought that it was important to like just develop a relationship with my son. I didn't want it to stop when he was a baby. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to be a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know, yeah. I um, that's why I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I'm really uh, grateful that I have the opportunity to do that because, you know, when I, when I was pregnant with my son, I didn't have a clue what I was gonna do after he was born, um, and um, I was interviewing for jobs. I remember I I had this one uh, interview, and I was like huge pregnant <laughs> you hire me yeah. um, but I really like the job sounded really <laughs> the, the job sounded really intriguing and I really liked the the idea of it um, 
but um, but yeah, I, I didn't get hired when I was uh, gigantic pregnant, but um, after he was born, I think it was like five months in, they called me up and they wanted me to come and work. And I remember thinking about that, like, I'm supposed to hand him over to someone? Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> I, I remember just like, I really struggled with that. And I was, I, I remember tears just thinking about that idea of handing my kid off to somebody else to raise. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I did that job for like six months and I really liked it, but I just, like, I couldn't do, do yeah. that. Um, and the balance was just not there. You know, uh, I felt like all I did was work all day and then when I get home I get to hang out with him for a little bit and then put him to bed and then I run around all night trying to get ready for work the yeah. next day it's like there's no time for me mm -hmm. for there's no time to spend with him um, and so ultimately I decided to um, not work <laughs> yeah and it's like also the time that you spend is very reactionary mm -hmm. and even if you try to like you know, to spend time reflecting and thinking about, you know, what you want to do together and, like, how you spend time together um, and what, like, like, let's say you didn't want to just cook dinner. You wanted to do something that was, like, we do a weekly this night or we go skiing or we go skate. Like, you have something that you bond over. Mm -hmm. Like, you only can do that one day a week yeah. on the weekend or maybe two days a week if you push it real hard and balance everything mm -hmm. crazy, you know, maybe after work. But then it's, like... It's just, it's such a tight window and you're squeezing all this time. And usually like I look at the way that we earn income and it's like, you know, especially with like, I'm a, I'm a consumer, you know, and I'm not um, a minimalist by any means, but I try not to be super materialistic mm -hmm. because, you know, um, sometimes we make more and more and more and more money and we perceive accumulating money as our goalpost. But mm -hmm. really the only non-renewable resource that we have is time. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's a way to think that, you know, I make, like, $48,000, like, you know, hypothetically a year, and um, someone's giving me a raise because I do a really good job. And it's like, how, why don't I just say, hey, give me the same amount of money, but let me work less hours. Yeah. I could be just as productive. And yes. it's like, because I think about this all the time, like, I'm happy with even working. For me, I like to be able to work from, I prefer to work from home. And, and to do things like event-based things because then I can spend a lot of my time with, you know, with my son molding our lifestyle around that. Mm -hmm. um, but working eight hours, like, I don't... Uh, how are you involved in your community? How are you involved in your child? How are you involved in your government? Yeah, and like, there's no time. And you can't... Like, you can't watch a movie after that. And I'm not saying, like, I want to watch a movie and do all that. I'm just saying, it's like... You only have enough time to take care of the essentials. Yeah, and yeah. You, so, of course, we outsource every everything in our whole lives. Mm -hmm. But not only because it's that way in our culture and society, but also because we continue to kind of do this to ourselves in general, not specifically. Yes, you know? yes. That, um, that's that's exactly it. Is, is um, Time is, is so important. And when we work eight to four jobs five days a week yeah there's just there's just no time outside of that and um, beyond your job and your other responsibilities to to do these things um that's the the yeah. <laughs> challenge of life i mean at least the, what i've seen the last five years or so is what do i want out of my life and what kind of sacrifices do i have to make to to get that yeah 
and it's really hard. And that's it's been the thing that's been pertinent on my mind because um, I don't know if you watched a lot of movies in the '90s, like family movies in the '90s and 2000s, but like all the dads worked too much mm-hmm. and had all the money and were never around, mm-hmm. and it's like. <sighs> like that's so that's been a big part of my life mm-hmm. where it's like I just want to be and I didn't have my dad in my life so it's like I just want to be a present father in that mm-hmm. way. you know and I know the cost is high but it's worth it but, right yeah know. it's not about money it's about <laughs> what well maybe it is about money for some people yeah. but for other people it's not and and so yeah so maybe you don't get as much money if you decide to prioritize spending time with your kids over a career mm-hmm. and that's uh yeah that's kind of what I've learned as well in the last <laughs> 10 years or so. I, and I think that's like a quality that a lot of us can relate with, you know? Mm-hmm. And my fear is, is that like, you can see, we can become so, um, so separated, right? That we don't see the way that we relate with each other so that we can come back to the thing that we're trying to do in the first place, which mm-hmm. is like, you just want to connect with one another, you know, and you want to be able to, take have that personal responsibility where like your mistakes are your own you know mm-hmm. and, and that's powerful in that way like even in the sense that like if someone out there disagrees with the way that you look at things and the way that, that you would want your son like the, what boundaries to be set with your son whether he would wear a mask or not right like the, your guys's consequences are your own mm-hmm. and i think that's a powerful thing mm-hmm. you know like and that's like that really means something. I've gotten into backpacking and climbing because I spend this whole world where it's like I can cut corners and screw up and there's like, what's really going to happen to me? You know, and it's not like, I just, it just didn't seem very exciting. And I find these other things and they make me feel really alive. And mm-hmm. the reality though is, is engaging with the community is, is probably as pertinent as all of those things that are intense and scary. Yeah, you know? right. And it's just not uh, open. It's really hard to do that, I think. Do you see um, any kind of response or traction from, um, like, from the movements that you're working on, that you're starting and stuff in the um, community? Well, I mean, we've got a, a pretty good-sized group um, mm-hmm. that I, I know how to get in touch with. Um, and that's exciting because I didn't know that many people. Um prior to putting this effort in. Um, but in terms of the protests and speaking, the, the problem is, um, you know, they're, they're hearing me, I'm sure. Um, they're not responding to me. Um, they're not responding to anyone that's providing this input. And the problem is that they've accepted um, over $8 million from the federal government and the stipulations for using that money, this is COVID relief funds, the stipulations for using that money is that um, they develop a plan um, for COVID safety in schools, and that plan needs to be as close to the CDC uh, requirements as possible. And so they've essentially um, accepted this money from the federal government as long as as well as the conditions for using it and so as, as long as that money is coming in to the school district um, we're stuck with the CDC recommendations um, and the Cedar Woolley has only received I think three million dollars mm-hmm. of the eight million that they were awarded so there's still five million dollars that they haven't um, received yet so Wow. Who knows how long this federal money is going to keep coming into the district and we're going to 
keep being held to the CDC requirements. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, the current offerings that they have is remote learning with the school district, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't want to have your child have a mask. Mm -hmm. um, and do you do you know anyone who's doing that with their kiddos? Um, yeah, I do. How's their, do you know their experience with how that's gone this year now that it's like a, their default is the school? And I think um, it's a mixed bag. Some people it works well for, um, and some people it's, it's a horrible option. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, and, you know, like we've been talking about everything else is everybody's an individual and what works for them and meets their needs is going to be different from everybody else. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I, I think the, the majority of the people that are unhappy with the masking requirements that I know of have just taken their kids out of school mm -hmm. and are doing homeschooling of some sort or... They're just saying, you know, I don't have any other options. I'm sorry. I don't want you to have to do this, but yeah, this is what we have to do. And, and you see that, I'm sorry, we don't have any other options, is a lot of things that people end up getting to in this life. Mm -hmm. you know? And that's what freaks me out. Yeah, and just, and that's, that's where I struggle too, is I just, there's some things that I guess I can accept, and there are others where there's a clear line for me, and... Mm -hmm. And where it's worth a fight. And, yeah. And this is one of them. And, and currently it's like the only means, because the school board, you can't, there's the voting doesn't happen until, you know, years down the road. Mm -hmm. There's only protesting, essentially. <laughs> yeah, or lawsuits. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's, um, there's a lot of lawsuits um, mm. happening right now in the courts. Um, and... Um, I don't know where it's going to go, but yeah. uh, I've got my eye on one in particular. Um, and hopefully by the end of this month, we'll know more. Well, even corporate, like certain um, business entities had won lawsuits over not requiring people to mask or social distance. I forget. It was the trampoline park oh. in Bellingham. Oh. And yeah, because Summit got a bunch of fines, I believe, because they weren't, nobody was wearing masks or something like that. And they went and took that to the court, and mm -hmm. they won that case. Oh, good. Which, yeah. I didn't know about and, that. Yeah, and I was, like, I was really excited about that, and I'd wonder if it would just, like, you know, domino effect for precedent, but... That's the know. weird thing, is the... It's, you don't hear about a lot of cases like that, and I don't know if it's yeah. just because the media is not reporting on cases like that, or if there really aren't that many of them. Yeah. And do you experience any, like, general melange or, like, kind of, um, like, lethargy with people who are, like, care about this stuff but want to do something about it? Yeah. Or not, but care about this stuff and want it to change? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, I don't know how many protests we've done, but the first one we did in Cedar Woolley, there were more than 80 people. And then the next one, there were, like, 25, I think. And then the next one, there were five oh wow so it's just it's the steady downhill because people recognize that we're not getting a change by doing this mm -hmm. um and so they step out and and participation has declined um for me i i guess i had different expectations um i i was um hopeful that maybe it would make a difference but i was pretty realistic that probably wouldn't make mm -hmm. a difference but for me um one of the 
uh, in my last school board meeting um, comments, I said um, silence is acceptance and um, attendance is consent. And I'm, I will not be silent. I do not consent. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be silent. I'm going to continue making my voice heard, whether it makes a difference or not. Mm-hmm. Do they? Do you get to have conversations with school board members there? Like, what's the what's that scenario like? Um, so you get three minutes. Um, you have to wear a mask when you walk in, um, and so you go up to the podium and you um, you actually have to touch your face to the microphone because you're wearing a mask <laughs> oh, and you're all wow. muffled. Um, so that's disturbing. Um, and then everyone. <laughs> The, the board members are all sitting there. They all have their masks on, so all you see are their eyes. They don't, they don't um, comment back to you. They don't answer any of your questions. They don't say anything at all. Whoa. So um, you walk in, you talk, you leave. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, there, and there, there's, there's been members of the audience um, that are sitting there and listening, and there's no, like, clapping or uh, there's no comments or mm-hmm. questions or anything. It's just silent. Wow. Do they allow, like, do they ask for questions or comments or anything like that, or is that the procedure? That's the procedure, yeah. Um, but um, I I've, I don't know how many emails and how many times I've spoken to, at board meetings. Mm-hmm. A lot. Um, and I initially, when I first started emailing school board members, I would get, like, just generic comments I think I've heard from like three of them out of five, and mm-hmm. two of them have never responded to me. Whoa. Um, we even uh, requested meeting with one of the school board members, and he just blew us off probably half a dozen times. Wow. Um, so they don't respond um, in the meeting, they don't respond to emails, and they don't take meeting requests. Mm-hmm. So how are they representing yeah, the as community? That's never, yeah, I talked about populism, but now it's just like even looking at as representatives, that's the most defunct representation that I can imagine. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and I think and part of it though is, is like, do you th- have people been demanding this level of representation um, in maybe this or other places you've seen politically, locally, you know, nationally maybe? before coronavirus like i don't think so yeah that, that's the thing is is we've kind of been lackadaisical about um our uh, interaction with the school board and and me personally mm-hmm. um for sure yeah i i didn't have a kid and that was going to go to public school until this year and this is the first time that i've been interacting with them so i'm part of the um the lack of engagement yeah. from the community up till now. And I definitely am too. And I was like, I'm so engaged with like my child and the activities and the communities that I'm putting them in. And it's like, Oh wait, I'm not thinking about the general mm-hmm. community that he's engaging in at large and yeah. those things and being involved in that. I just autopiloted that. Yep. And, like, and I and, think the way to do that is you have to run for election. You have to yeah. run for some position, city council, school board, um, you you have to put yourself out there and that and that's what and that's kind of what i was getting to in that way is like it's i don't this this way of like things should change and outrage and build tension and tension and tension and it's like we have like how many people run for office like and i this i bumped into this with federal government Mm -hmm. because there's like like the president is a really good example all of the presidents since i mean i remember what george bush jr right and all of these presidents haven't really done anything except the things that they have done were like 
more messes mm-hmm. and not in line with what the people were really wanting, you know, mm-hmm. and like, like, you know, Obama was really against, uh, was saying that he would uh, protect whistleblowers, right? And he completely screwed the whole Snowden thing and, um, and also the, the, the reporter as well, which I forget who the reporter's name is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he and then like for for trump too a lot of the things that trump promised and then once he gets into office none of it comes into fruition yeah. joe biden promises all these things they get into office whether it's like democrats or republicans and in congress like the we had this new infrastructure bill and you know what was supposed to be on it was like paid medical leave and then for um in medicaid medicaid or medicare for for elderly right health insurance for elderly um they were to include dental um and they dropped dental and only kept vision as a necessary thing on Medicaid. Right. It's like, this is all mumbo jumbo because I don't, I'm not a part of any of it. Yeah. Right. And like, usually it's just noise, but those things do kind of matter. Oh yeah. They totally matter. And they're only noise because the political and the, the, all that, not entertainment, but like infotainment mm-hmm. is the noise. Mm-hmm. Cause I want to get to the heart of like, there's people out here like me. I have um, I'm on state insurance, and I'm I can't get implants, and they just take my teeth out. Mm-hmm. And they want to give me dentures, but if you read your your gums will rec- your jaw recedes over time. Your jaw will get smaller and smaller oh and God. smaller. And it's yeah. like, and they tell me like you need to get crowns, but well, you can't get crowns with the state insurance. And I'm like, yeah. And you can't get implants with state insurance. And there's like, but you really need those. Yeah, right. Oh it's like God. your whole body, that your teeth are not part of your health care. Yeah. Like, it's like, I don't understand that. My husband and I were just talking about that the other day. Like dental insurance is separate. Nobody uh, has dental insurance as part of their health insurance. Yeah. And give me a break. How are your teeth not related to your health? I mean, yeah, exactly. On. And it's like, they even show that if you have cavities, you have like a, an exponentially higher rate of uh, a risk of heart attack and yeah. it's like it's directly correlated oh, to your yes. health like, <laughs> yes it doesn't make any sense at all no and um the fun thing is is like i would be someone who would love to be able to have money or to like or to to fight for grants to like how do you create public you know incentive programs for people to teach themselves information to change their behaviors how do you incentivize that exercise in like state health care so you can save costs that way you know yeah, and, right. and also create an economy of like incentivizing health you know mm-hmm. and you could say well that's terrible your government shouldn't be like you need to run but no you just <laughs> offer money to coaches you know, like state-funded coaches that are out there for people with Medicaid. And right. Stuff, Instead of know? our government mandating these things that uh, don't work, yeah, maybe they work on education and putting their efforts towards things like that that are promoting health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm wrapping it up, and that's the thing that I, what I would like to is, is like, well, how do I? I want to know how my goal in my life is, is not to be virtuous, not for anyone to really know about it but to be effective in that I want to represent, you know, these incentive programs. They have it in Seattle. They have this thing called Four Culture, and it's a website you go on. If you're a resident of King County or if you're doing something that is going to to be put in King County, they will give you $4,000 or $1,000 if you write a good proposal. Hmm. And the only prerequisite, prerequisite is 
write a good proposal, hmm. and they give you half the money up front and half the money later, and they get all that from their transportation taxes. Interesting. And there was one where they have a bridge that is like an old, like, drawbridge or something, and there's a building on top of it that you used to have to be in to work and lift the bridge and stuff. Mm -hmm. They did, like, $1,000 artist retreat. Go stay up there for a week and then, like, write poetry and we'll post it up there and it will, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well... You inspire people the freedom to create, to solve problems, mm -hmm. and you incentivize it with money. And like I was asking about the school board members about getting paid, like, I know that that's probably not reasonable, but even like $100, because at the end of the day, like, you are spending time, yeah. and your time is an honorable, renewable resource. You don't want to incentivize people to do this to make money, mm -hmm. but like, to make it more accessible, you might free up some time for people, you know? Yeah. That's right. the challenge. Um, and I don't know, um, like, if city council members mm -hmm. um, receive a salary. I think mayors do. Mayors do, and then there's, um, I think a city council members do, too, but it's like 500 to to $1,000 or somewhere right around there. Yeah. And it seems on par-ish with the kind of work that's required because it's not like this, you know, volunteer all your time and get paid for a little bit of your time kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like what they talk about with voting, though, right? Where they should have a recommendation is to have a holiday for voting, right? Oh. To <laughs> increase voter turnout. And it's yeah. like, why don't you... We have national holidays for, like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. that The whole, like, voter turnout is seems like an issue. It's, I mean, how do... I mean, our responsibilities, I think, are you got to vote. Yeah. And... You got to run for office. If things are important to you, you got to run for office. But I mean, even if you can't do that, maybe that's not for you. You got to vote. Everybody has to vote. And have you have you had any kind of conversations with? Because you said that we had like a 60, 50 percent voter turnout here in Cedar Woolley. Um, I think in the county. I haven't looked at this election, but um, but yeah, it's really alarmingly low. That's, have you talked to anyone about like in the community or just even anyone nationally? about what it's like for them to vote or why they don't maybe show up to voting? Um, no, I haven't. I do know um, members of my family that I'm pretty sure don't vote. Uh -huh. um, and, and it's funny because they have the same interests as I do and they have the same beliefs and they, they complain about the same things but then don't vote. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. And, you know, and I encourage, mm -hmm. um, but, but when it comes down to it, it's not my responsibility to do it. It's, yeah. it's a, their responsibility, so I can't do it for them. And that's where I would tell someone, like, because um, uh, this, like, this encouraging and, like, you know, why you vote, you're going to talk about it, right? And that's marketing in mm -hmm. some way, you know, but, like, thinking about that as marketing is probably the gross part, but the, like, it's marketing in some way, but what would be worse is, like, the part where it's intrusive is, is when it's really forceful, right, where, like, if, um, if you were trying to encourage your family member to vote, and it were Thanksgiving, and you were like, I'm gonna make the turkey, and you know what, I'm gonna make all the placemats say, go vote, and <laughs> I'm gonna go in, and I'm gonna put a poster up and say, go vote, because you see these things with governmentally, we talk about education and stuff, but when does education become propaganda? And I find that it's when you start ramping up the frequency to, to inappropriate measures. And that's kind of what I've seen has been going on with the vaccine mandate, for instance, where it was like, let's make an incentive program. I was completely, <laughs> I was fine with the incentive program, though, because at least, like, you know, if that got you going, maybe you weren't so committed on whatever it is that your, your decision and that's that's fine with me you know 
But then when it's like, well, now everyone, you, you know, you have to, um, yeah. you know, now make it to where you have to take it if you are a contractor with the with the government and mm -hmm. if you do business with us. And it's like, and I and I now know it's what with in the medical industry here in Washington, it's a vaccine mandate. Yeah. As as well, mm -hmm. and it's like. Oh no! Now you went from incentive to mandates, and mm -hmm. I don't. And like, yeah, and you're you're taking away people's livelihoods and their careers, and, and you're not taking into consideration their own risk profiles and their own belief systems. Yeah, or, it's really bad. It's it's really bad. It, and have you seen anyone um, what the response like that it to that development? Is? Um, I I know there's a lot of resistance to it. Um, I I haven't seen. Um, numbers of how many people lost their jobs. I did. Mm -hmm. um, I was uh, considering going into nursing. Um, I was working on a, a nursing assistant uh, course mm -hmm. and I was working at a, a retirement home here in Cedar Woolley and then they um, put the vaccine mandate into effect and I didn't get to do it anymore. Wow. That um, sucks. Yeah, um, so so much for going into nursing, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the the media is not really reporting numbers accurately that I've seen. Um, I know I've seen some numbers about um, law enforcement and first responders leaving um, over the vaccine mandate, but I don't think I've seen um, healthcare numbers. Mm -hmm. And I heard that within healthcare, there's a problem right now, specifically here in Washington. Uh, maybe even just on the west side, but the travel nurses where people locally are getting let go mm -hmm. and to be hired and these travel nurses are filling in their places mm -hmm. and it's being quite a problem. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how it detailed out any further, but... Yeah, um, I haven't heard that. Um, but I have, you know, you, you see articles all the time about shortages of ferry workers mm -hmm. and flights being canceled and slow response time um, to 911 calls and the the recognition of the vaccine mandate in those issue issues is just that they're not reporting on that mm -hmm. and it's and it makes you wonder are they hiding this is it really not related i'm pretty sure it's related yeah um and then and then like um seattle school district and i think it was bellevue multiple school districts in the country um, were shut down the day after Veterans Day because they staff sort shortages. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And is this related to X number of staff being fired because they didn't get the vaccine? I don't know. They don't mention that in the yeah. articles. Um, but I don't see how it wouldn't be related because you never heard about those things happening before the vaccine mandate. And they never even showed, like, different points of view or anything like that. Like, I thought that would be an interesting bifurcation of topics. It's like, well, the vaccine mandate's coming into play. Here's someone who disagrees. Here's someone who agrees. And people are like, what is someone who disagrees or agrees thinks about? Like, you'd think that that yeah. would be, like, an interesting part, but just it's not no. there at all. No, and that's why it feels like propaganda. It's, it's one perspective just hammered and hammered and hammered. It's what um, the CIA and... So the CIA's most effective ways to to like um, push propaganda in other countries um, for like America is to be able to fund um, fund artists and museums not by Americans but that portray us in like a really good worldview, for instance. And it's not because they create they create those things. So there's these like 
there would be these, uh, it's almost like if I were to make a podcast and I were talking about how like um, Europe's a really cool place to be, you know, and it's an, and I happen to just in my podcast talk about a lot of cool things in Europe, you know, I don't paint them in a bad light. Um, I might have someone who's on my Patreon spending like a thousand dollars a month on my Patreon and I'm like, I got a pretty good fan base coming in. What you find is, is that sometimes there's these shell companies that are like the CIA or other intelligence agencies for, um, for, for other countries. They spend money on local things so that it pushes not what looks like propaganda, but real true movements. Mm -hmm. And it's because whenever you create art or you create content, and it looks like propaganda, you've lost everyone. Mm -hmm. And so they do these, like, it's this whole tactics bent around trying to, like, create and inflate, you know, things that are not perceived as propaganda mm -hmm. so that they can move the levers of, of people and stuff like hmm, that. That's and interesting. I, and, it's, and I find it interesting, and it's, like, partially, like, that's crazy and makes me think about a lot of things that I listen to and take in. The other part of me is like, well, if you don't have a lot of voter turnout, and it's like, well, how do we get more voter turnout? <laughs> so it's like, it's like we're all kind of playing the same game there, except the honesty is the part that I think is pretty important. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, but I don't know if you can increase, or it's logical to say that you can increase voter turnout by just stating facts. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, to in, it really engage people to do things, I don't think you have to lie and manipulate them by any means. No. That's a very dirty way to probably get things, to get whatever you want done. But I think there's these other alternatives, kind of like, I don't mean this in a racial reference, but like Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. you know, like Martin Luther King and Gandhi is another example where they had great division in their times, but they were able to find ways through that division by not annihilating the other, but by bringing it all back to each other. Yes, and, yes, bring us together rather than separate us out. Yeah. And that's where I think personal responsibility is like one of those many opportunities for that, because like... It's all kind of our fault, like it's the school board members' fault and the people who represent us, and then it's us who who uh, appoint the representatives, you mm -hmm. know, and who make sure that they're actually representing us. Mm -hmm. I came into this world, I took a government class in school, I've gone to college and only gotten almost my associate's degree, didn't do any government courses there, but I did government in high school, and like, I don't, I don't know anything, I am the most, I'm very ignorant, I have so much to learn. <laughs> And I want to learn, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, well, that's what it takes, is being interested and wanting to learn about it. And, yeah, it's a really good question. How do we get, how do we get our citizens to engage mm -hmm. and, and be interested and want to learn? I don't have the answer to that. And you're going to be working on the answer because you got kiddos. <laughs> and <laughs> you may or may not have a point in the time when they're like, I don't want to do any of this. This is not the thing that's fun. And you're like, listen, there's type two fun out there, and somehow we're going to enjoy this. Yes, but, yeah, yes, we're, we're that's, there. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're there, too. And that's when I tell my son, like, we go hiking, and we go all, and we go alling, we go skateboarding. And all of these things have that, like, weird nature in it. You don't want to, you don't want to go out and do it sometimes. It's really scary to go down the ramp. Mm -hmm. You got to put all this practice in and work really hard. But once it's done, it feels good. Yeah. And, like, if you can have... If you could actually do something in your community that creates real change, or like maybe you're in a situation where people can't get together maskless and that's important to you for whatever reason, you create a group where like kids can show up every week 
So mm-hmm. where they can do that. And you're this thing that they talk about in the community that because this person shows up here every week, I get to go and play with my friends. Yep. You know, or even if you're a different person who thinks that you should have masks or whatever, right? To be like putting those groups together and being like, look, we're, there's gatherings for people who feel really anxious or, or, you know, about the coronavirus situation, but you can be outside. Yes. And like, and I'm not going to bad on that person on the other side of the playground. I'm just going to be having a good time here and building what I'm working on. Yes, yes. And that's starting to happen. There are little schools cropping up, um, even in this county. You know, one-room schoolhouses. Um, kids are, yeah, kids are leaving public school and they're going to these little one-room schoolhouses and they're picking out their own curriculum and the parents are involved in teaching. And, uh, yeah, uh, people are finding their ways. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think is wonderful about people and perhaps a lot of other things in life is when confronted with challenges, it's an opportunity to adapt. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can people um, support any of the things that are going on in Skagit County or Washington as a whole? Um, do you know anywhere? Um, say that again? Where, where can people go to support oh, like any of the... In our um, county... I've got a group for the kids Skagit um, on Facebook and we have a website Um, and we're um, meeting with um, the activist um, Glenn Morgan who is he founded we the governed um, and we're um, trying to get these activist groups um, more organized and better able to reach out to um, members of the community and um, continuing to move forward with uh, active, um, advocating for what's important for us. Sweet. Well, I'm really excited, and I'm going to be happy to help with any way that I can. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Woo! Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. I learned a lot from this one, and I am motivated to learn more about my representatives and become involved in my local government Uh especially from the parenting side of things. If you'd like to support the show, you can head over to becominghumanpodcast.com, drop a comment, uh, share it with a friend. Be sure to go and find a way to be involved with your local representatives. I mean, I'm sure that there's plenty of opportunities out there, and if there's not, make some. Just for a little bit of inspiration is, I know someone who was, uh, he was running, I think it was... Um, in a state on the east coast but he was running as a representative in his district and he wasn't um affiliated with republican or democrats he just spent like the 150 dollars to put his name in basically and he won by default people overwhelmingly voted for him because they were tired of the um of this like basically having two bad choices that they don't really feel like represents their perspectives on things you know and the more and more that I feel like that really you could just flip it on its head and the more and more you have an opportunity to be able to represent your ideas and views because if you feel underrepresented go and represent yourself and find other people maybe who want to be represented too I'm going to play you out with a song by say Francis called crack pipes enjoy People said I wouldn't laugh. Don't make me laugh.
don't make me laugh, laugh, laugh. I'd give a 21 gunshot salute With a toy rifle that you bought me but it won't shoot And all is well because there's been one too many shots The sterile robots want to talk to me about detox Stop the presses, there's been an update delivered via 1.30 a.m. phone call When an only half informative sauce talks discreetly Meet me at the family room on the side of the intensive care unit Immediately I'll carry a tune, the siren so loud Can't hear my music, keep free of negative thoughts Everything will be fine, we all assume that it would go back to the way things were That it would go back to normal soon Saw the moon in a way that i never seen it before When I looked up that night into the sky, wondering why Looking for answers, guess I ain't asked right I'm guessing most of y'all out there know exactly what that's like What that's like now tell me what's that like It's like a whirlwind of emotions that occurs when moms and dads fight It's like when a girl grins an emotion of hers that holds your arm and grabs tight Hurl him into the ocean, one of them cold sweat heat flash types But extreme fluctuations in temperature changes have been known to crack pipes Crack pipes Crack pipes Me halfway in my golden extra length just to help you strength. Meet me at the AA meeting, needing to take more than 12 steps. Bring me to your hiding place so I can face your vice grip. I'll chisel every single monkey off your back with this ice pick. Come meet up with me on the sidelines when the game is over just to say hello. Then afterwards backstage to let me know that you enjoyed the show. And go to grandma's house for Sunday dinner. Sit at the head of the table, take away the fatal flaw you made the day before. I seen you bleed. Meet me on Christmas Eve. We can fight for makeup before you leave. Make visits with the rest of those. Who rest in pieces of my dreams Meet me at the fork in the road Where lost souls get indecisive Meet me at the crossroads Where I can have someone to walk into the light with